And like I said, after, I'll go ahead and send it to you and all that. Awesome. Cool. Sounds good. So I'll start off with like a little introduction. I'll introduce you um, and then we'll get into the questions and then we'll just go from there. Okay. All good. Cool. Sounds good. All right. So um, thank you everybody for tuning in. So today on the show, I got with me Mr. John Murray. So I'll go ahead and read a little description about him. Really extensive, but perfect. So John Murray is a San Francisco native and graduate from UC Berkeley with a BA in psychology. He is also an NSCA certified strength and conditioning specialist. He received his MA in clinical sports psychology from John F. K. Kennedy University, where he was named 2008 alumnus of the year. He was a director of the strength and conditioning um, coach for three years at Stanford and has worked closely with professional athletes like Freddie Jones, Troy Bell, NBA players like Joel Prisbilla and Tayshaun Prince. His extensive list continues to grow with the compliments in the Canadian Football League, the Major League Soccer Team, San Jose Earthquakes, and the Japanese Basketball League. He has also worked with the Lafayette the national team during 2008 and 2009 as a consultant. John Murray also has his own athletic business called MAD, M-A-D, or Murray Athletic Development, where, he, where they aim to empower athletes to do their best and to attain their athletic excellence by providing world-class post-sport rehabilitation, functional fitness, and athletic development training service. Finally, he was the strength and conditioning coach for the Golden State Warriors from 2007 and 2011. Welcome to the show, John Murray. Uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. So first of all, um, how are you feeling today? Oh, good, good, good. I got an early session in with the ocean. I live, I live in San Francisco, so. Oh, that's nice. I got to get water better than coffee. Yeah. Oh, that's really nice being by the water and swimming. Lucky. Very lucky. Yeah. Very lucky. So, um, first, the second question is, uh, what made you get into strength training? <clears throat> Um, my big brother had first introduced me to it, um, mm-hmm. my brother Dennis, and this is going back when I was a little kid. He's six years older than me, so uh, we're, we had a good-sized family, five of us. I was in the middle, and we had three sisters, so he, you know, he took me under his wing, whether he liked it or not, but he, he, he was great to me. Uh, and he, he was into sports, and back then, back in the 70s, he had you know, a lot of big brothers would put, you know, go to Sears Roebuck and buy your weight <laughs> sets for Christmas or birthdays, and you put it in the basement, and you just lift it. Yeah, you can't do what okay. your big brother said. So that's probably my first real introduction to it. Uh, then in uh, high school, uh, I was an okay athlete, but probably early in my high school years, the high school where I was attending, mm-hmm. it, uh, it and I didn't see eye to eye on things. <laughs> I was young, I was wild, and I was foolish. Um, okay. And then probably halfway through my career there, I, 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 I was playing football and the sport. I, I enjoyed it. I, I like basketball more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I tried to, uh, I trained myself on, and I just started reading, reading about nutrition and training. Yeah. And, I, and I saw that when I applied things I read about, I got better. I, I you know, the move better, felt better, got in better shape. So that was intriguing to me that you can kind of put your mind to something, especially the young high school. Yeah. yeah and, and see results. So that was, that was my first introduction of anything at all. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even called strength conditioning. I'm, I'm probably just called <laughs> it weight or something, right? Uh-huh. Uh, that was about my initial introduction. Okay, that's dope. That's dope. So um, now since, you know, you had the information about strength training and stuff like that, you kind of like taught yourself the ropes and how to improve your body and all that different type of stuff. How did you end up like working for the Golden State Warriors back in like 2004? Or if it was like even before that, did you start interning like for the facility or for the organization? Or was it just like connections that kind of just worked out? I've got to watch how I answer because I I, uh, I can go (laughs) 
So it's well intended. I can go on and uh, I picked up a trade of my, my grandfather, Jack Cavanaugh. So I love to tell stories. And again, it meant meaning well. So uh, how, I, how I got on this track, we love basketball. When I was a little kid, you know, the Warriors, everyone loved the Warriors. I'm from San Francisco. So they were oh, okay. yeah. mid-70s and that was awesome. <laughs> I think I won 25 cents on a bet. Wow, 25 cents, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot, man. Yeah. So it was like, everyone wanted to be in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Everyone. And my great friend, Darren Achetti, and I and uh, loved the game. And yeah. our first lady, even before the Warriors, was Metalark Lemon and Curly Neal and the Harlem Globetrotters. Oh, wow. You turn on ABC TV and watch these dudes, and they're always they do all crazy. Oh, it's amazing, man. <laughs> like a basketball circus. So just seeing this beautiful game played and making people happy. And Darren and I, we had a little Nerf hoop, so didn't have a gym. We just would, we loved the game then. So I knew I wanted to be, I just, I knew the game at the early age was a blast. And it brought people together and I loved it. And then uh, later, at the end of my high school experience, I got in trouble. I had to get out of high school early, went to work. And my big brother, uh, to keep me, get, get me back on track, got me into martial arts. Okay, yeah. Was tai Chi and that's been with me ever since I've been 16, 17 years old. I've been a student of the arts since then. So the reason I'm bringing this up is it's kind of formulating at a young age. I love basketball. I love the martial arts. I love you saw both kind of help each other, kind of help people get better. Um, and to all my trials and tribulations for my, my first strength conditioning job, I can keep community center when I was 18, 19 years old in San Francisco, Tenderloin district, working for kids off the streets. And that was a blast. Helping people get that's better great. was intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to reach the pinnacle. Mm-hmm. You know, at a young age, I wanted to play in the NBA, but the DNA as it is, that wasn't going to happen <laughs> as you were So coming up in this industry, strength conditioning didn't exist in basketball. You're talking about oh, really? 70. No, no. Oh, no. Wow. It, you know, it would throw your shot off. It was bad for you. And that was a common theme. Now, I didn't know Kareem was doing it. If I knew Kareem was doing it, everyone would have done it, right? Yeah. And Kareem was, you know, a man ahead of his time. It really was. So it wasn't, you didn't want to have a podcast about this, right? Mm. So you had to get in, to pursue this field, you had to get into football because that's where it was. So I started training uh, football players best I could. I was volunteering with high school basketball teams locally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always keep my eyes at the top, but, you know, it didn't exist at the top of the NBA. So my goal was, you know, get on the 49ers staff. I was a San Francisco kid. You want to work your hometown team. Yeah. Um, and then that, that was, that's, it, it was growing at that time. You're talking now late 80s, early 90s. And so now that, that was getting more and more competitive. And I was making my way uh, doing my graduate work, never thinking I'd ever make the NBA because it, it didn't really exist yet in the NBA. Then mm-hmm. a gentleman who uh, really should be a strength conditioning legend, he didn't get enough credit, Mark Graybell. Mark was the director of athletic development, the first strength coach with the Golden State Warriors. Oh, wow. And he, had, uh, he worked with Mully, Chris Mullen. Oh, really? Oh, that's crazy. Yes. Yeah. Now, now it's getting some publicity because Mully had his trials and tribulations. And, you know, mm-hmm. tribute to him, he got over it at the young age and early in the NBA. Got his act together, got his body together, got his mind together, got his game, you know, back on track. And that mm-hmm. comes a Hall of Famer. But Mark Grabo, who, who I ended up working with and for, for the Warriors, uh, was, was key because he was his man in the corner. He was there working out with them 24-7. Mm-hmm. So you were reading about it just back in the probably early 90s. That was my first mindset where, hey, this exists and there's a possibility to do something like this. And continue um, working towards it. Yeah, yeah it, it, it existed in the NBA. And until then, I was doing it for high school teams and local college 
uh, junior colleges because I love the game and I love mm-hmm. helping people and I, you could see it and help them improve. Mm-hmm. So that was probably early 90s. And then Mark Drabo, again, I, we, his nickname is Jibo. So I refer to him as Jibo. And G, G would, did a, he would do clinics locally mm-hmm. just, just, just to help. Just free. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's nice. Ended one. And oh. Mar- Mark is a phenomenal athlete. So he's on the floor demonstrating his footwork and patterns. And he was a former professional soccer player. So mm-hmm. his skill set, his footwork and conditioning was like, it was crazy. Like yeah. It's crazy, man. Yeah. So you're a young coach coming up on, watching this dude. He's throwing the words, Chris Mullen, you know. And you're watching this cat on the court going, my gracious, this dude can move. And he's the yeah. coach. So <laughs> that, that kind of stuff going, hey, there's something to this. Mm-hmm. So um, now, I'm, now my early, I'm in my late teens, early 20s at that point. So that's when I realized, hey, you know, there's something to pursue in this. Yeah. Um, then you go after it, man. And you just went after it. So, so you went through like the whole interview process too for the strength and conditioning like position, or it was yeah, just it literally since you were right there. No, it was just no, no. It didn't exist. You don't, you don't interview for it, that. I mean, you can't interview that. Man, you got to know. It's just luck, hard work. Luck, yeah, connections. My friend Eric Reveno always said Eric Rev is now at, on the staff. He's associate head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia Tech, but Rev, um, you know, I owe a lot to Rev because Rev, you know, got me out. I was working in physical therapy, working in football. Um, Dr. Arthur Ting, and it was a, it ran a, it was a, his Fremont Clinic, and Chris mm-hmm. Fetter with Twenty Four Hour Fitness. Uh, these wow. names you might not know, but it's important for me yeah. to name them. All these people <laughs> to help put them out. Me. Yeah, gotta give respect. They introduced Eric Revino because I'm working at, at the physical therapy location in, in Fremont. Mm-hmm. I was trying to learn my craft in the physical therapy world because I saw in the football world when guys got hurt, mm-hmm. I needed to get them from the treatment room out to the field. And I didn't understand it as well. I knew it from a patient's perspective. I'd been in a car accident. I was a young kid and my body was trashed. That's really why I did this. I would have played something. I wasn't going to coach. I wanted to be, but I couldn't. Mm-hmm. So I knew it from a patient's perspective, but from a clinical perspective, I didn't know it yet. So... Working there, they introduced me to Eric Revenow, who's, who's now, the, at that, that time, the executive director for uh, the Rikus Center for Human Enhancement, started by Gary Rikus. Um, Gary said, now the Rikus Center is booming down there in Menlo Park. It's a big nonprofit facility to really help people pursue their dreams. You know, his passion for music, the outdoors, and sports, and whether you're, whatever, whatever your passion was, you go, you go and go get it. I mean, that was a, exactly. it is a tool for you to get there. So from there, there, you know, I'm at the Rikers Center. And again, now my eyes get stronger to the, to the pro world. I just came from pro football. I see the world. I saw behind the curtain of, of the politics of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Eric Reveno had played at Stanford, had a cup of tea in the NBA, and then played professionally in Japan. Now he's back, got his NBA back at Stanford. He's running the Rikers Center. But he came from the basketball world. I worked, and he knows strength and conditioning from his experience at, as an athlete and from training with Gary. He was a forerunner in the industry because Gary was doing stuff in the 70s that he was reading about in the Soviet Union that we had no clue over here oh, in America. Mm-hmm. Brought some news so, to the table. Uh, I could go on and on. Yes. <laughs> yes. Man. So, as a young guy, I'm learning this stuff going, wow, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And now Rev's marrying basketball to strength and conditioning. So and put them both I together. Like, yes. Mm. That's yeah. dope. That's real dope. Yeah. Oh, I know you can go on and on and on. Um, yeah, about, oh, like, is you... <laughs> no, yeah, yeah no, it, it really is. Um, but we'll get to more of the like the meat and potatoes. Um, so during your you know seven year with the Warriors from 2004 and 2011, what was like your typical day like 
um, being a strength and conditioning coach? Like, would you, would the players come in and then, you know, you do certain exercises or you split them up into groups or what was like the sure. regular day? Um, there's nothing typical about the NBA. <laughs> 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 it's its own world, its own culture, its own language, its own economy. But a typical day is on, on a practice day in season, mm-hmm. um, players get up and you need to be there before them. And you usually go in, you know, uh, our, our director of athletic training was Tommy Abdenauer and his assistant, uh, Jan Frank. And so you meet with them, check in with them, see who's getting treatment, what's going on with treatment, check in with Mark, see what's going on with Mark. Uh, there's always something going on in that, you know, that little mini culture of an NBA team. So, yeah. um, you know, usually the young guys, the rookies get in the earliest and they're getting, you know, in season, they're on the court. They have to get their work, rookie work in. And this is different now. So I'm probably going to sound aged now. I think <laughs> right. It was a different. And I'm very, very old school. So I'm kind of partial to that. Yeah. Uh, but rookies had to get the work in before the vets came in. Oh, wow. out of respect. You paid homage to the vets who put their time in. Mm-hmm. Um, and rookies had to get into work. Rookies okay. typically won't get much burn. Won't get many minutes. So you have to get your work in. Mm-hmm. So they do the court time, do the weightlifting time, uh, and need any type of rehabilitation protocols we were execute at that moment for the new players as well. Uh, and then I, and then Mark and I ran the warm up. So Mark would get, you know, now we meet on the court. If there's a any type of meeting prior, you're doing a film video. I, I tell all strength coaches, anyone in this industry, I learned this at Stanford during my time at Stanford, mm-hmm. uh, even from football. Be in the room, learn, learn the vernacular uh, of, of the coaching staff. Because need to be in parenting or counseling they call it, or medical care, they call it a continuity of care, a continuity of care. So if I'm in the weight room using a different language than they are in the treatment room and on the court. It's going to be totally different. Yeah. So days we had meetings, you go, well, I went to the meetings and I want to learn the language, understand it. I'm not trying to be a basketball coach. I need to understand what we're trying to accomplish, and the ultimate goal being winning, but roles of players, language, yeah. uh, responsibilities, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, once on the court, we warmed the athletes up. I ran the, uh, the stretching. G would get a warm-up moving. And then you're practicing. So okay. uh, during practice, um, our role was really, you know, you stay out of the way, let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. Everyone's injured, but working. And the key, I learned this from my man, Keith Irwin, who brought me in. Keith was a strength conditioning coach with the Sacramento Gold Miners once he came out from Rice University. Keith, phenomenal dude. Great to me, man. And keep always with guys who wanted to like quote unquote be hurt, mm-hmm. you know, not feel well. But like kind of like, like you know. Yeah, you know, some guys, some guys want to you know try and hustle and get out of one once in a while. And if it wasn't honorable or, or righteous or or, or uh, true, you want to make them work. Even if it is true, you want to keep them part of your team. So during the practice, if someone was actually rehabbing or hurt or came not to feel well, they were working. In, inside of their teammates. So they weren't in the back. They couldn't be seen. They're on the side. So everyone can see them. They can communicate, talk to their teammates. They still stay part of the culture, uh, which is a very, very important. And yeah. their teammates can see the work and get back to join them, which is important as well. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds like practice. A, yeah, it feels, yeah, it sounds like a very extensive kind of, you know, intricate, a lot of information and a lot of stuff going on um, during the typical day for practice. Yes. Um, now, my next question is, is there like a, when you get new players that come into like the league or like that come into, that come onto the Golden State Warriors for the team, is there like any type of like test or identification process that you do to try to figure out like what players need to work on moving forward, like throughout sure. the NBA season? 
every every team is going to have a different operation. Every general manager, president, ownership, strength conditioning staff, training staff. So there's mm-hmm. there's individuality to all that preferences, etc. But, but typically the process, you know, you, your scouts go and identify talent that fits your team and your needs, both mm-hmm. internationally, locally, and you know in the league itself. So I always made sure I talk with our scouts because they talk. If they're bringing in a lemon. It's tough to make lemon, you know, you're going to make lemonade, but it's going to be tough, yeah. right? You know, the yeah. guy really can't go. So, and then you want to know the, the you know, our, our business is not rocket science. And when they love to talk, tell you that, especially during negotiating times, right? When mm-hmm. So, and I'd say, right. And I tell you all young coaches, no, ours is a human science. This is human science. Every component of humanity is involved in getting people better. Uh, so the more you know about how to tap in and relate to a human being, the, the better you can help them help, help themselves and help the team. So uh, that was always my first stop, talking to the scouts, what kind of players. And then physio- physically, um, again, another great friend of mine, Brett Brungard, a basic athletic measurement. I'll give him, you know, the plug he deserves. Bam, he run all the combine tests at the NBA. You know, and those tests have a purpose. And again, from my football background, we test it all the time. And the guys ready for the NFL combine. So those are more general. You, you change the direction, your explosiveness. But to tell you, you know, what, what an individual player, an athlete has. Now you get to your team. Yeah, do we have our own sets? Yes. And you always work in conjunction with your medical staff, with Tommy Abdenauer and Frank on the, at the medical side, uh, Dr. Lenny Stein, Leonard Stein on the chiropractic as far as physical structure, Mark and myself. So ideally, in ideal world, you're working as a team and you all add your piece, mm-hmm. and you analyze how well they move, and then you want to see them on the court. So it's, it's, it's a holistic approach. Yeah. Once you do mm-hmm. And everybody has to like talk to each other um, make sure everybody's like on the same page, there basically. It. Yeah. Like, so after it's different. If you you want, the, the, I guarantee you, the Miami Heat and the, and the Los Angeles Lakers, I would be shocked. Your great mm-hmm. franchise, the Golden State Warriors, communication it has to be number one. Ego's out the door, man. Leave them at the front door. Man. <laughs> work together. Yeah. W I N W I N. That's the mm-hmm. special sport. Any sport, as far as your ultimate goal, that's what you're trying to do, and that takes communication, takes teamwork. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Really good. Um, so now I know you worked at Stanford um, as a consultant for strength and training for a, a three years, correct? At least. Uh, I, I, I was at the Rikers Center. Eric Reveno gets hired by Coach Michael Montgomery at the time. Mm-hmm. He's the men's basketball head coach and joins the staff. They want to make a change and adjustment in the strength and conditioning after uh, some frustrations on their end. Coach mm-hmm. Montgomery brought me in and hired me to work just for men's basketball. Got you. And then I also had, in the NCAA, if I, and I was, I'm not sure that rule still exists, but if you work with a male sport, you have to work with a female sport, or you have to have a balance. So for Title IX purposes, for equity and fairness. So mm-hmm. I worked with the women's lacrosse team. Oh, wow. You know, they were just getting started. But they're, yeah. uh, it was a cool experience because their, their head coach, Michelle's last name, I, I don't want to butcher a great last name. Mm-hmm. She was a national team player. So she was a oh, wow. So I got an Olympic-level experience with that, and I worked with men's basketball. But then I... A friend of Tara Vandiver, head coach Vandiver and her staff, they're great people. She saw what we were doing, liked what we were doing. She brought me in, so I was working for, for Tara. We worked for two Hall of Famers, and it was just incredible wow. experience. That's dope. That's incredible really dope. Experience. So since you had, like, that kind of college experience, can you see, like, if college players are ready, you know, to make that next step or make that, make that next leap into, like, the NBA? Can you kind of, like, see that working with, you know, you said the men's basketball team. Can you see them jump into that next level? Uh, can you see it? Yeah, it, 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 it's in front of you. 
Uh, it's changed a lot. Back then, our big star player was Josh Childress. He was coming out of uh, Atlanta. Played for the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, big yeah, pro. Yeah, great kid. Yeah, <laughs> great, great kid. He was a yeah. big star. star. And uh, we had Casey Jacobson, who you guys should know, because Jake was an amazing college player and had a great wow. end of pro career. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake was the current star, and Stanford was rolling, man. So you get there. Can you identify those guys? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um you know, to be a to, to be a pro is different, and, and I always use my Al Bianchi rule. I, I met Al; he was an old school scout with with the uh, Warriors when I got there. And Al, you know, obliterated a, 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 an early uh, pre draft talk and scouts and analytics was just starting to you know take traction in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, we called them statistics; they call them analytics, but it was it was not not the forefront areas right now. And old school guys oftentimes kind of cringe. Uh, you have to embrace and keep growing, but I was old school. And he's, he said, man, if a player doesn't have the mind, the heart, and the guts, and he said it in a much more colorful uh, New York fashion. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care what they do. So can you identify those? You look for those. It's not just, you know, can, if, you know, is, is he or she athletic? That's great if they're athletic, but if they're here. Mentally. They are. So yeah. can you see those? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not just, you know, during a game. And when they're performing, that's definitely key. Oh, that's the ultimate. But how they how they treat themselves, the teammates, how what are their habits? Are they excellent habits or are they sloppy habits? Are they champion habits, pro habits, or are they sloppy habits? So mm-hmm. Are they amenable to, to work? And so you and you learn, you learn what With to them. look for to your point. Yeah, that's good. 54 now, like, I'm much better seeing it than I was at 24, 34, 44. Really? Yeah, have, having that experience over you know multiple athletes, multiple years, you get to just see and watch that. So just like anything, it's repetition, right? You just mm-hmm. see it. And, and then coaches can't have the egos. You got to be able to, you know, sometimes yeah. players will tell you, let them, let, them, let them see it, let them tell you. Don't already kind of have, give them a, a label and don't give them, give them a chance to, to be themselves, but also mm-hmm. be aware of what they're telling you. Yeah, that's real good. Hopefully real that, good. that makes some sense. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it did. It really did. Um, so I know one of your like most like, you have a long extensive list of accomplishments that I saw and it just like went on and on and on, which is fantastic. But I noticed that you did um, work in your, um, for the, their national basketball team, uh, Lavian basketball team. And then you worked, yeah. And then you worked in Japan for their, for one of their basketball teams as well. So yes, I worked for uh, two or three different professional teams in Japan Mm -hmm. and the Latin team. And I was with the Warriors uh, they're they're a big star, and our young center we drafted uh, on my first year with the Warriors, Andres Bejerins. He's great, phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. I mean, he, he got wronged in many ways, and then but uh, Andres was a lifelong big star, so he was going back to play for the national team mm-hmm. and NBA teams. You, you know, cringe because they go back home and they're not doing they're not training at the NBA level. So Molly worked it out to send me over there to work with Andres oh, wow. and then work. Phenomenal, wow, phenomenal people, awesome experience. So I spent a lot of time over there, mm-hmm. uh, with both with the national team and then with work with Andres and his uh, and his crew. Mm-hmm. That's dope. So can you see, like, since you worked all over, can you see specific, you know, differences between um, Japanese basketball players and like NBA basketball players, or can you distinguish like the difference? And oh my you know, god, yeah, I mean, it's less so now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the basketball is, you know, invented by a Canadian, but it's an American game. And it comes from our streets and our neighborhoods. So there's a soul to it. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm old school, but 
there's a documentary that you can, you have to see. You got to make have to pay for see it. Kareem Abdul Jabbar is one of the executive producers on it. Uh, I think it's on the shoulders of the giants. It's a history of the game at Harlem. Oh wow! It's about the Harlem Rams and the Boston Celtics and how two two different cultures from African American and the Irish American and white American how they initially were separate had to come together with the game. Which beautiful, it's an awesome really? story. Okay, but in basketball, it's really the game man it brings people together man, which is awesome. Yeah. Everyone in our industry should see it because it's it's humbling, it's enlightening, it's empowering, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's inspiring. Mm-hmm. What's uh, the name so again? I, I believe it's on it's, it's name called "On the Shoulders of Giants." On the shoulders of giants. Okay, definitely will check Harlem that out. Rennes, Harlem Renaissance Hotel. Mm-hmm. Kareem is one of the executive producers. Everyone in basketball should take it. Should watch everyone in sports. Mm-hmm. Hell, everyone in the country right now should watch that. So watch it, yeah, <laughs> so, uh, definitely yeah. should, yeah, with everything that's going yeah. on, yeah. So, so, so. yeah, so you, you, can you see differences? The fact that most definitely, and the game was smaller, so you didn't have, you weren't doing this. So this mm-hmm. is this is communicate about communication together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could tell guys from Japan because they moved. You can tell guys from China and Latvia. There's a different rhythm and beat to how they moved, and yeah, uh, they were coming up in the game. Now the game is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my clients these past few years has been a local high school in San Francisco and their coach, uh, San Ignatius High School and their head coach was Rob Marcoletti and his associate head coach was Ollie Thomas and Ollie played professionally overseas. So he saw the overseas world mm-hmm. and he appreciated it. So we had a chance to go over to tai- Taipei, Taiwan the last few years and compete in international tournaments there. Oh, wow. So we're seeing teams from Japan and China and, and South Korea. And that was amazing because yeah. the game had elevated. You could tell they weren't moving like you were 20 years ago. And mm-hmm. they had caught up and they really applied themselves. There's signs of it, but it was amazing to see. That's good. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah. So um, on to, you know, working with Andres Beadrins and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. do you have like certain or did you have any certain like training regimens for those top players like Beadrins and like Troy Murphy, who was on the team, and like Baron Davis and Monte Ellis? Do you separate like, okay, Tell our guys how to do more, you know, extensive weight training or like the guards have to do more type of footwork um, exercises. So, I mean, do you customize it to the player? Yeah. To a certain degree, yes. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I, I tell all string coaches again, another great name, a legend, Al Vermeil. Google him, learn from him, Al. And I, I, I was with the Chicago Bulls, started with the 49ers when they were big with Montana and Joe and Dwight and mm-hmm. getting started and then ended up with the Bulls and, um, I would go back and study from Al when they were rolling. Al was great to me, man. Just great. Just learning. You know, yeah. an epicenter of, still is an epicenter of knowledge and learning and connecting to the world of, of, of uh, strength mm-hmm. and conditioning. So I learned from there too. You don't just write a cookie cutter program and apply it to, you know, to Murph, who was a big, to BD, who was a young guard, to uh, Monte Ellis, who was a rook coming in. He never touched a weight in his life. Mm-hmm. So yes, you wow. customize Physically and then emotionally and mentally, how you communicate and talk and deal with them. I mean, it's a people business. It's a human science. So, you know, some guy you can talk to differently and, and someone else, but you have to also be consistent and held to hold everyone accountable. So, and there's general physical components. Our bodies need to squat. Our bodies need to press. Our bodies need to pull. That has not changed over thousands of years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The tools in which you want to apply it, you have, and our ego's getting infested and et cetera. But, so there's, there's components to what we have, we work on. So, um, and again, my background in physical therapy, working in it, both as a patient and then working in it as an industry, I had that concern where I knew things were gonna, could break down. So I have a whole com- proactive component of healthcare we, we integrate into our, uh, into our methodologies and approaches. 
Um, so that was also, that's also part of the foundation. And then the big thing was breathing. And I'm from martial arts and working with martial arts and then working with military people as well. Mm -hmm. Breathing is the most important thing we do and we don't do it right for the most part. So there's always those foundational pieces you have. You want to make sure everyone hits those foundations from breathing to trunk work and core work and dynamic flexibility, uh, Olympic lifting and mechanics of movement to jumping to sprinting. But you kind of find to everyone, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, Monte Ellis was a rookie out of Jackson, Mississippi, man. He never touched a weight in his life. So he had to build a foundation for him. Yeah. Or with Andres. Andres had lifted. He had lifted in, you know, a year, Eastern European influence there. So he had a great Olympic foundation, but we had to fine tune it. Mm-hmm. Baron Davis came to us as, you know, a young veteran, wild, wild in spirit, wild in heart. Yeah. A phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a beat up body. So we had to do different things with him. And Troy Murphy was different. So, yeah. you know, God rest the soul. Cliff Robinson was a veteran. Cliff, you know, you know, you, you talk to Cliff differently, let alone lift with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's a, a big component too. Just knowing, like you said earlier, knowing, you know, you talk to another player differently than how you would talk to, you know, a different player. Like this, you got to find that fine tune between, you know, that one player and also, you know, reiterating what you need to work on and stuff like that, and having that tone with that player. I think that's very. You know, important as well. It's key. It's key. I mean, uh, I'm not a yeller and a shouter. I'm not going to go punk a guy. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be loyal as long as you reciprocate that loyalty. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the key thing is accountability. You can't, you can't, you know, be wavering on the rules to one player. And then it just doesn't. You can't. It's not going to work. You know, yeah. you're going to know you're a fake. It's got to be equal. Yeah. Equal, but you got to be accountable, man. We, we're here to do one thing, and on a team at that level, here to win. If you're not about getting better to win, man. Mm-hmm. just about you that's fine but like, you go back and say this guy this guy's not right he or she's not down to win and that's mm-hmm. um a big thing but it, it, that's huge i mean that's yeah. you gotta have what's our mindset what's our culture about we're trying to win or you're just trying to like you know get your next contract if you are i understand mm-hmm. that man that's that's just because i never i never heard of a winner who gets after it who has a, a bad way of it you know what i'm saying you gotta yeah. be rewarded mm-hmm. so um I didn't mean to go roundabout, but do you customize yeah. it? Yes. Yeah. But you have to have to get the foundational points that are imperative no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, and then my next uh, question was, so Curry came into the league um, and, you know, we all know beginning of his career, he had like a lot of ankle injuries that kind of hindered, you know, cut his season short. So was there like any, um, what was it like the the coming back the step by step step by step like coming back process for Curry to like get his ankle straight um, and make sure that you know his ligaments are tight and stuff like that before he went on and played. So we went to, uh, we draft Steph. Um, Steph's a young kid, but he, he had you know he he come from the pro world. He, yeah, he's from pro lineage, so he come from a different background. Mm-hmm. Typically, those guys aren't going to be good players. You need, did you see him being a Hall of Famer? No. He's a great kid. I mean, he's, he's, he's better in person. If you ever get to meet Steph, he's better human being than he than you see. Seeing that he's got so big, it's, it, it's mind-blowing. But he's a great kid. He's a great human being, wow. man. So, and that was, um, he walks into our weight room, he's a, and he wasn't, you know, he's, he's taller than people. He's 6'3", man. I mean, 180 pounds, but he was, you know, he's a young kid kind coming out of college. Yeah. So he's already on the, you know, he's already on the kind of the runway of fame. You can tell. So he mm-hmm. had a busy offseason. Now you, you can't, you can't fake an offseason. If you, if you want to, you know, be the best, you have to prepare for it. And, mm-hmm. you know, 
At the time, Kobe Bryant, God rest Kobe, so man, but Kobe was the best in the league. And he was the best, not just because he woke up and was the best, because he woke up early, trained three times a day in the off season. Wow. He was always in a state of readiness. He didn't, you know, use it to get ready. He was ready to roll, right? Mm-hmm. Always. So if he's the best, you better be mimicking what he's doing. Well, Steph at a young age had busy off seasons and they weren't about training too much at a young age, right? So we'd get him and he'd walk in, you know, early in early uh, preseason, you know, mid-September. Uh, and it was often early on his career. He wasn't prepared to be at that level. Yeah. He had, mm-hmm. He's young. He was learning. He was learning. He's trying to balance. Still know, trying to get used is. to it. Yeah. 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 And, as, and that's, you know, now he's a different dude, I'm sure, in the offseason. But so back then, so you, you have to prepare him. You can't fake the work and you can't take up four months of work in, in three weeks. Mm-hmm. So that that was that was the challenge. So what did we do? You had to calm you had to calm his body down and get him right. You had to you had to put an offseason in it in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Put him together. And then yeah. if you look at Lenny, then he would just get together, get together and he'd stay together. Mm-hmm. And he was great with me. I mean, he uh in his defense and our defense, that was a it was a wild culture at the time with the Warriors because you had an ownership that was uh, one foot up the door. Everyone knew it, you could feel it. Winning wasn't Concern. It wasn't the party. It, it was. Everyone. It wasn't. It, it didn't exist. It was kind of every man for himself to a certain degree. You're trying to navigate this craziness. And he's a young kid coming in the league. Going, what is this? Yeah. We had a young on the team trying to get through, and everyone knew. Everyone really. The players wanted to come together, but you had to kind of pull things. So he's in a a, a culture of chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to balance that with, you know, being a yeah, rookie it's, it's and not, stuff like that. It's a lot, yeah. Not conducive, yeah, as it shows, you know. Like the, and it wasn't conducive to being what they are now. So, mm-hmm. um, his defense, it was crazy. So, you had, you had to find, you kind of navigate the craziness. Yeah. The crazy made time to, to get a young guy ready. Mm-hmm. And once once he showed up, and he was great. I worked, you know, I helped, I worked with Steph two, three times a day, every day, all the time. So, wow. um and he did the work. He's a phenomenal worker. Once you once you can get him, you got him there. Now, get him going. It's scheduling him into his itinerary daily. I see him now doing stuff. He's ripped all the time. You can tell he's ready. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's learned that. Now, obviously, look at the results he's gotten both for him and his team. Phenomenal. Yeah, that's so. interesting. Really interesting. So um, I know you kind of talked about it in your answer, but like the off season, um, you know, and Steph was trying to get ready and stuff like that during the off season. Now, in particular. Um, is is your training regimen like during the off season and you know um the actual season during the off season do you like is there a schedule like okay the first month we're gonna do you know light lift weight training and then like once we get closer to the season we're gonna do like more heavier lifting and more you know explosive movements and stuff like that is there like a schedule um on like how you sure. approach yeah exercises and stuff i mean did it, within the strength and training Conditioning or strength conditioning curriculum, there's a yeah, the calendar. Time is your friend, but also mm-hmm. your enemy if you don't maximize and utilize it correctly. So mm-hmm. you build you build your your, your macro calendar. Mm-hmm. In, in, in an NBA season, you need you know the bottom line is winning, and you need to if you're gonna win, you gotta be ready to go in June. Mm-hmm. So and you gotta be able to, you know, that's that gotta be the mindset because that's when the playoffs are coming, that's when the champions you get. So that's it's a long stretch. So you can't burn out in August. But at the same token, you have to have the preparation. So, yes, yes, you do. You do it for the season. You do it for the individual. You do it for the team demands. So, 
Uh, and each, each it's kind of like it's like walking a set of stairs. And step each by step. Stair, each next step. And mm-hmm. it sounds corny, but it, that's just the reality of it. Yeah. Uh, have times when it is time to go heavy to uh, the way muscles get stronger to resist heavier weights, the heavy resistances. But you have to do it safely and smartly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to customize it to the individual athlete. And, you know, they're coming off an injury. So things like that. How old are they? Mm-hmm. Those type of situations where the demands of the game. So, yeah, you definitely customize as far as intensities and volumes and what have you. Mm-hmm. No, no doubt. Uh, the, probably the biggest thing I've learned, this is almost post, post my NBA career as far as the strength coach on the staff. I do it more now with the teams I consult for and the athletes. We'll lift heavier in season. Oh, really? It's common. Yeah, I, often hunt in season. If people lay off, I don't want to throw my body off of fatigue. And coaches are always worried. Those who don't understand strength and conditioning, it's going to mm-hmm. kill my players. Well, if you do it wrong, you, you will. But if you apply the forces correctly, i.e. you don't do four sets of eight, at a heavy intensity, you might do three sets of three at a heavy intensity, but you're keeping the body sharp and keeping that foundation of strength there, mm-hmm. which is imperative because the season goes on. And it's long, wears on you. Yeah, long. yeah. you need that physical foundation. So mm-hmm. that's the biggest change. If I had gone back, I would have added that. Now, initially, vets would think you're crazy. Then they start feeling mm-hmm. it, and it's like, oh, I feel fantastic. I feel good, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, that's, that's and probably I first started doing that because we lift on game days. You know, I get into it uh, and vets started liking it, you know, like Steven Jackson, mm-hmm. Monte Ellis, they're all right. And I have my guys, and they were, they were, they were balling. They, they could, they could feel their bodies yeah. and they felt better. That was part of the first thing I said, you know what, man, there's something to, you know, lifting and lifting on game days. You wouldn't kill them. The volume was light. So we weren't doing a bunch of sets and repetitions, but mm-hmm. the intensity was high just to kind of get them, you know, use the word get going. Yeah. 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 And again, it's communication. If he went out and had a bad night because he was his body was you know felt fatigued, mm-hmm. then we back off. But if that went out on a bad night because your mind was somewhere else, that was different. So you had to make sure yeah. they could delineate between man, your mind wasn't there to but your body was. Body was, yeah. Mm-hmm. That goes back to our point of communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there was one thing that you said in your answer. Uh oh yeah, so you know, wear and tear long nights or traveling, you know, airplane and stuff like that. Um, so you got, you were, you had the chance to travel with the team, right? Um, with the team, I, I, yeah, you, the, whole, you're, the whole time. Yeah. Whole thing. You're there the whole time. I mean, strength conditioning coaches, you're there all the time. You're there in the in season, off season, mm-hmm. you're there all the time with the players. You spend probably the most time with the players. Mm-hmm. So at one point, did you feel like fatigued, like the players too, you know, traveling, getting, you know, the exercise regimen ready for each player and stuff like that? No or, question. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, no question. Uh, you're not going to see a deconditioned uh, coaching staff for anyone from strength conditioning because you can't, you, you couldn't, you can't survive. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. one, it's a bad example, but most of two, eat your health. I mean, it's a, uh, and I'm an intense dude. If you're keeping score, I want to win. So, yeah. I, you know, better for worse. Uh, and you're, after a game, you don't just go back to your hotel room or back or back home and just relax. Win, lose, mm-hmm. draw. If you care about it all, about what you're winning, it, you don't relax. So yeah, wow. the biggest thing, and they've gotten better at this, and I, from my understanding, what I read and talk to my friends and, and still in the industry, sleep, they're massive sleep disorders. I still have problems at nighttime. Wow. My wife sees me, 11, 12, I, I, I kind of get <laughs> amped. So yeah, definitely, it, it changes your, it changes everything because mm-hmm. it's, it's a different culture, it's a different world, it's a different schedule, and you're constantly in different time zones. So it, it's, a, yeah, it's a struggle. That part yeah, of the game, it's, it's, it's a massive, massive challenge. And it's, uh, 
not conducive to a healthy lifestyle. So you have mm-hmm. to be like, mind your P's and Q's, which is yeah. sometimes a challenge. Yeah. Um, I read something online, too, that, you know, with the whole COVID thing going on and, you know, all players went to Miami and stayed in, like, the, the bubble and stuff like that. Um, I saw one article saying that the NBA might do, like, a baseball-style season where, you know, the Lakers would play Miami for, like, three days and they'll be, like, in Miami. And then, you know, they'll move on to the next team and then they'll stay in that city for, you know, X amount of days. Do you think that will be better for the players in order to, like, you know, recover and have that, you know, time to sit back relax and don't have to like get on a flight to you know go to the next city or next state you know after the game yeah yes i mean yes and no i mean if you're spending (laughs) three or four days in miami with cats that could be dangerous or new york city or la Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. team that could be dangerous um but 82 games back to backs Mm -hmm. the business side makes sense i understand that the basketball side makes no sense Wow. Now, you talk to old school guys, you know, the old school guys that I had a great chance to work with um, and be around and learn from, Al Adels, Jimmy Barnett, Sidney Moncrief. Mm-hmm. They, they played in a different time and era, and they taught me many, many lessons. I mean, Al talks about doing, and Jimmy doing, you know, uh, three games in a row, flying commercially in the first flight in the morning. So, whole other level. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, and without them, we're not, we're not here. So, Party kind of goes, I suck it up and do it. But 82 times, that's ridiculous. That's a lot. Yeah. Backs, that's not good basketball. Mm-hmm. Giving a game away, give a game away because I'm tired. I mean, it's understandable from a human perspective, but man, give a game away, man. Mm-hmm. But it's human. You're tired. You got to be yeah. smart. So to extent, the game is the players, man. Without the, without the players, there is no game. So I, I would do everything that we can to put the players in the best situation to be their very best. Mm-hmm. So and now with COVID, it's a whole nother world with this pandemic. It's, it's, it's a reality that is real. Yeah. Whether you like it, it's real. So we embrace the challenge and find the best way. If we can come out of this better, better for the players, better for the game, and better mm-hmm. for everyone's health, I applaud it. And yes, an emphatic All yes. All for it. Mm-hmm. All for it. Mm-hmm. That's good. I thought that was really interesting. I never really thought of it like that because I feel like, you know, a lot of players play their best, you know, when they're well rested and, ready for the game and stuff like that. But I mean, the NBA is just so used to flying and, you know, working on X amount of hours of sleep that it's just become like a custom to the it's players. You have no choice, but I mean, yeah. what people don't understand, they don't see behind the scenes. I mean, by all means, it's, it's very glamorous as far as the quality, but after a while, you don't even know what hotel you're in. I remember getting out of the hotel. <laughs> uh, I don't know what hotel, I don't even know where wow. you're in. <laughs> on the hotel, in the elevator, I'm on there with Molly and Mitch Richmond, and we look mm-hmm. at each other and go, oh, where are we? Mm-hmm. What floor are we on? Wow. Meeting breakfast. We, and we were just kind of like, where are we? It was probably a long road trip. And mm-hmm. you kind of laugh and shrug and go, oh, man. But it, it is what it is. It kind of, yeah, yeah. You miss your families, mm. which is huge. You miss, you miss being home. You miss, I mean, you, miss, you miss a lot. You miss a lot. Yeah. So if they can do things that can you know, accentuate that. I mean, these, these players are human beings. Yep. At the end of the day. Yeah. Well, at the beginning of the day, too. Yeah, right? yeah not just yeah. the beginning the whole day. Yeah. Man, it's, 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 you want to see them right now, I see Miami in LA be the best because they're healthy, healthy, they're safe, they're rested. Mm-hmm. I mean, you wouldn't go to a concert and you don't go to see your best performer, no matter what art you love, and see them on a third day of a run and their dog tired. Yeah. It's just not, not no, the same. Not yeah. Happy. They're tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I want to go watch, you know, 
someone who's you know at their best, not be their best because of a funky schedule. Mm-hmm. If you know, no. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, that was an interesting topic that um, I wanted to ask you. Now, um, moving forward, like some more of the the basketball drills um, that you have with the players. Was there like any like any drill that was your favorite that you love doing with the players? Like the players love. And if so, like, could you walk us through that drill? Uh, <laughs> you know, the best thing for me, really, I mean, drills all now, I mean, as far as exercise and training, um, but bottom day, you have to compete and you have yeah. to play. So you can be the best driller in the world, but I want to see you on the court. So for me, I love watching a scrimmage when it was, you know, when you, you had your ones playing your twos type of situation, you had young guys or guys mm-hmm. trying to get minutes, mm-hmm. you know, playing. I want to see him play, to be honest with you. So uh, I want to see him scrimmage when scrimmage made, you know, it had something to it. Uh, fall in love with someone in the drill, you know, it's a drill. It's, and, yeah. and I've seen, you can turn on the drill, but I want to see when, yeah, when the lights, when the lights come on and the popcorn started popping, what you got? It's yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, it is yeah. probably it's smaller things, man. It's, it, it's like after a loss, a tough loss, people back in the morning doing their film work, doing their treatment, mm-hmm. doing their, their training. Um, the most impressive thing probably that stuck with me, you know, I was furious. We were all mad. Jason Richardson, the warrior, Saginaw Michigan's finest. Jay mm-hmm. Rich, best, awesome human being. Man. It was after one of our losses and Jay missed a final free throw and he would never do that. He was more mad at himself. He couldn't even walk in the locker room. Wow. After the game, you walk in, you meet, and then guys up in the meeting, mm-hmm. uh, guys treatments, the breakdown, media's let in, etc. Well, Jay, Jay was, and he's a sweeter of a dude, but he's a warrior. He was a true wow. warrior. Yeah. He wanted to be left alone, and when it went to the whole arena was empty, he went back out and shot work on the street those for hours. So wow. that's probably something that's crazy. Impressive than any type of drill. So it's more, yeah. really, it's more seeing things that you have drive, you have mm-hmm. commitment, you have that fire and passion. And I don't really care what drill it is per se, mm-hmm. but are you going to have those, you know, my Bianchi big three, I just say, you're going to show you your mind, your body and your heart, your guts. Um, that's, and if I can find drills and you, you're going to show those to me, mm-hmm. then as far as that go-to drill, I want to see you play. Let's, let's get to I want to see you play. That's my favorite drill. See you play. Yeah. Bringing that intensity. Yeah. And I think that shows a lot about, you know, the player's character, um, you know, because now you see people, or players that, you know, missed a final three-pointer to win the game. And I think it was Kyrie Irving. He was a three-pointer against, I forget what team, but like he stayed after an empty arena, just shooting three-pointers the whole time. And I think that shows a lot of character for the NBA players and knowing that they want to get to the point that they want to get to and will do anything um, possible to get to there. Yeah, and my biggest thing now, you know, people bring these things on, big phones and what I mean. <laughs> don't tell me about it. I don't want to see it on Instagram. I mean, yeah. I come from the martial arts world. The best guy I ever saw, you weren't even allowed to watch him work. They didn't want you <laughs> seeing him, right? Wow. So mm-hmm. uh, that's where, you know, when you hear about it through the grapevine, that's one thing. But guys want to promote it. Yeah. It's totally different. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, great. One of my young young uh, players, uh, Sione Tafu. So he's uh, big in the football world. Sione always talks about doing your quiet work, the lonely work. That he, that's his time for it. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's really what great and this is you know you, mm-hmm. you really really you might want to say you want to be great or be a great player or work but you want to you want to make the sacrifice to do the lonely work yeah when no one's around that that's so that's that's more what i'd look for personally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now 
um, going back to kind of like the, the drills and like exercises and stuff like that, was there any type of, I know now, you know, from back then we have a lot more different equipment now that we can use to measure, you know, players' abilities and stuff like that. But was there any like special equipment during your time with the Warriors that you use to measure, you know, their strengths or weaknesses? Or was it just, you know, exercising and seeing what was weak and that was like your special equipment? Sure. Um, you know, it's, it's, you got to be careful. It's not a weightlifting game. It's a basketball game. And the weightlifting is a mm -hmm. foundation to put them in situations. So mm -hmm. what do we, certain things we do? Uh, yes. I mean, we look, you know, look at lower, lower extremity strength. Mm -hmm. uh, another great sports scientist, physical therapist who I studied with years ago. He's still doing his thing to Don Chu, Dr. Donald Chu. And he had a single leg squat exercise. It was, I think it was based on X percent of body weight of the individual. I, I had the formula in my notes and, and I will use it, uh, but we do that. We need to be a single leg squat. We want to see what, what, what kind of integrity they have. You're also seeing it, it taxes someone. It taxes an athlete mentally because it's, you have to push past your comfort zone and, and yeah. individuals came from a bad situation where they weren't accustomed to lifting. You also see that as well. So, so that was a tool. Um, you, you know, which, which I go back to assessing and using tools, um, when you get a new player, you want to talk to your scouts. You definitely want to see their combine results, you know, their band scores. Give you an idea, what, you know, what's what their physical abilities are. And then I'd, I'd watch them play. You know, you want to watch them play. You want to watch them scrimmage. Watch them watch drills. Talk to you know. I just talked to Rico Hines. I worked with Lee on our staff. Russ Turner. You know, Stephen Silas. Coach Smarty, Key Smart. I can go on and on. I mean. Mm -hmm. um, all, all the coach I worked with, you know, Philly Handy. I had Philly as a player years ago. Now, oh, wow. After now you push with the Lakers. Yeah. Philly and I do stuff. So you, you talk to the coaches. What do you see from the basketball side? What do we see mm -hmm. from our side? And then approach it that way. That makes sense. As opposed to, uh, you know, if, I, if someone jumps out of the gym, the vertical jump, that'll never change. That's a great, that's a great mm -hmm. sign. Mm -hmm. If they can sprint, that's, that's great. <laughs> yeah. That an agility drill. The lane agility drill, uh, we've learned through our band work. And, you know, Brett Brungard has talked about that. We learned it 20 years ago. It didn't really, wasn't that big of a deal. 10 years ago, we might have pushed it out. We've learned through our research and data. As they get better in that lane agility drill, mm -hmm. if they get faster, they jump higher. So that's been something we, you know, we've learned as we've gone over. That five years ago, if I had done that, I probably would not have said that. Wow. So that's something we want to see them. We've seen it. As they come more proficient in that drill, again, it's having an impact on the rest of the Logical abilities. Mm -hmm. So, wow, yeah, that's really interesting. So, no, like, you know, using a VO2 machine to see like how well the NBA player can breathe. Because there's a lot of studies now, or a lot of articles saying, you know, having a higher volume of VO2 max or higher oxygen consumption can benefit the player. But that wasn't like the case back then, right? It was just kind of. No, I mean, we did, we did, no, we managed it. This is what we did do, Pat Riley. <laughs> he's still doing it man so you can't yeah. say it doesn't work mm -hmm. i did the we did the riley sprint drill wow back and forth yes. 10 times in time wow with the, with, with the rest and you're gonna get in shape do we use heart rate monitors in that yes we did mm -hmm. uh again i go back to my martial arts world you know we, we use none of this stuff and you've learned you, you know sydney moncrief always said a player knows his body best he or she will know their body best so mm -hmm. i'm not trying to you know Put all these these new 
gadgets down, you have phenomenal roles, but the body's going to tell you. And I've been doing martial arts almost 40 years, and we never, we don't use any gadgets. Yeah. You know, feel. Wow. I'm, not, I'm not saying you just, just go on that, mm-hmm. but you can't lose, you can't be desensitized yourself to that. Mm-hmm. So, but the Riley Sprint drill, you're going to see it real quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I need a machine, you know, you've been doing your work, you're going to crush this, dude. We got the time. Mm-hmm. You can see them, they're down. Breathing heavy, they can't get up in between, they can't knock out those five, then we have an issue. So yeah, that's kind of really because again, the reasons they gotta say that because on the court, even though they want to put so much tech into it, mm-hmm. players play it's the player's game. Yeah. If you're gonna see them real quick, but guy can't go. If he or she is not prepared, you're gonna see very fast. Mm-hmm. So these tools are great tools, but you know, what, what old school guys say, I test. Uh, it's, yeah, mm-hmm. just looking at it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So um, last question, and then I have three, well, next question. And then after that, I have like three, just kind of like, you know, fun questions and um, stuff like that. But my next like main question before we kind of like wrap this up, um, you see players now like LeBron James, who is like, you know, built and really worked on his body throughout the years. He spends like millions of dollars on his body um, for that. And then you see players like, um, let's just say, say against millions and millions of dollars, right? Yeah, a lot of money, yeah, to put work into his body and stuff like yeah, that. Man. So, um, do you think it's and you know, LeBron's NBA history, he hasn't had like extensive injuries like at all. He never seen like a long where he's out like half the season, it's just kind of minor, minor injuries, but he's been you know active like this, um, for 17 years. So, what's your insight of like? how players can you know keep that physique and keep that body power that body mass throughout you know that 17 years because usually at his age that late in his twilight career you know you start to see him decrease and you know his productivity and you know doesn't isn't like as big as he is so what's your kind of insight of like keeping your body prime and ready throughout you know your whole nba career because i know it's wear and tear jumping coming down cutting really fast and you know it's a lot of extensive movements on the body so what's your kind of insight to how to keep that physique moving forward to keep your same body first I mean he's um help is good to his mom because that's amazing dna man you saw that <laughs> yeah. man it's amazing dna yeah and, and you know Bron is also so he's the travel the stress he's a he's a worldwide icon mm-hmm. so i mean he's he can't leave the house without being on a microscope. So I couldn't imagine that. I wouldn't want to be that. I couldn't imagine. So then the st- that stress is exponentially tougher than any stress on a basketball game. That's the easy part. I, w- I would think. I can't speak to it. I'm yeah. not at that level. But being around it enough, brutal. Um, so his mental drive, his mental commitment. I mean, I tip my hat to the, you know, I call him a kid. I, I first met Bronny when he's out here, you know, out here in Bay Area, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, the Oakland Soldiers brought him out for a game. I heard about this kid killing it from Akron in Ohio. I didn't even heard of Akron. What's he doing out here in Brooklyn, yeah. California? Oakland. Yeah. So I didn't. I don't know him. I, you know, but I just saw this little, little young kid balling. Like, my gracious! Mm-hmm. And now, you know, twenty some odd years later, he's doing this. So it, it seems to be that he realized he wanted to be great, and that's an intestinal fortitude. He's got the beyond to be three. He's got a mind mm-hmm. of a warrior, heart of a warrior, guts of a warrior, and he made that commitment. And he learned from the best. And the best ahead of him was, you know, Michael took it to a whole other level. You know, yeah. Larry and Matt, the generation was different back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was me and Larry back in the earliest talk. That was back in the football days. And they thought it was probably bad for you for the most part. 
Michael comes around and goes, in the Bulls, and the Bulls were already doing it when he got there, and he takes it, and he takes it, and he's a phenomenal player. But their whole, their whole culture was about you know, being prepared. Mm-hmm. And then he leads to Kobe, right? And we get there, Bron comes in, Kobe's, Kobe's doing it. So if you want to be the best, number that, that cat is the best. Mm-hmm. So Bron is taking that to a whole other level. So I yeah. tip my hat to him as far as his, you know, his mental commitment, his time commitment. Physically, he's phenomenally gifted, like you mentioned. Yeah. But he works his butt off to do it. He probably mm-hmm. won't. And he, no, should he tell everyone? I wouldn't tell everyone <laughs> I do. You want to do yourself and find out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what's he doing? You know, the big three is this. is His rest. He's smart about it. He appears to be smart about his rest. His nutrition. Mm-hmm. He's, you can't hide that, right? Uh, which incorporates hydration. His whole lifestyle. The guy's, the guy's you know, an amazing dude. Yeah. You know, talk about the school he started back home when he's doing helping kids in his neighborhood. That's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those, three, you know, he's got his rest, nutrition, hydration with that, and his life is right. The training is the easy part, is my guess. The part yeah. He's making the time, right? The mm-hmm. commitment and carving that time out. Um, it's amazing. It's just like him, hate him, whatever you want to say. You can't refute him because it's irre- irrefutable. He's doing it. Like you said, 17 years? Yeah, long time. That's incredible. I mean, he's not slowing down. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. Like, no sign. Which is crazy. And it's a uh, fact. He's the, you know, the most incredible thing to me is his will to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, just if you know, obviously he's been very smart and astute as a businessman on the business side with his life. And he's, yeah, he seems like gone down. he's got a beautiful family. Man, the sunset's right there, brother. God, you've earned it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I mean, who, you couldn't blame him for doing that. Yet he's still gone. And mm-hmm. I guess he'll start his off season probably in a few weeks. Yeah. No, just quick. Yeah. So get back home, you know, get right back to it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's, a, it's, a diff- it's a different wired cap, man. I mean, mm-hmm. but he's doing it right, you know. So, it, but it's, again, to you, it's not easy. I, I know as you get older, I'm yeah. older than much older, it gets harder. <laughs> it gets harder. Yeah. To keep, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. What is Bronny? 36? Now, how old is he now? Uh, yeah. 35? Yeah. I think his birthday right. is in December. So I think he turns um, 36. He's going to be 36 and he's still doing it? <laughs> yeah. Gracious, man. Still, yeah. Still pushing, still moving forward. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> but, I mean, it's hard, but it's, 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 and for every hour he's playing, competing on an NBA floor for a game, he's probably, mm-hmm. you know, it's close to 20 to 30, is my guess, you know, from sleep and all the preparation, et cetera, training, resting, nutrition, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's harder and it takes more. So, mm-hmm. you know what? I know everyone out there, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Honor it. You mm-hmm. to me like this ever. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Cool. So um, before we wrap this up, um, I just got like three kind of like fun questions yeah. just to ask. Um, but so what is your favorite basketball movie of all time? You know, the way I mentioned on the shoulders of giants, because it's, it's real, it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's humbling, but it also brings up the beauty of the game. It, it's, that's more of a documentary, so we'll call it a movie. Oh, okay, so, got you. Um, and uh, you know what? The movie, the one that was funny was the one uh, Will Ferrell did about, about and uh, Woody Harrelson about the W, uh, about the old ABA. Uh, uh, the tropical. Yeah. The tropical. Uh, tropical Thunder. Tropical Thunder, yeah. Yeah. beauty of the game, man. So, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't and they put their own. Boosters and all that. And, uh, and yeah. Cool. But had, you know. The game's a beautiful game, man, and it mm-hmm. brings people together. And it's a, it was, a, it kind of captured some of the funkiness and the vibe to it. 
Yeah, and that was movie, a funny movie. Which, yeah. It was hokey and funny, but yeah. there's things intertwined in that with the beauty of the game. And that's, you know, that's what I, you know. But mm-hmm. on the shoulders of giants, you have to see it. That's just that's like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, back when you worked with the Warriors, what was your, your best pre-game meal, like before the game? Like, what would you eat? Is there anything different for you eat? you know, on off day or was there like a certain me, like, as a coach? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, you know what, man, I was, I guess I, uh, I made the mistake one time, this, you know, mm-hmm. staying indigenous. I ordered <laughs> mm-hmm. a pregame, you know, and I ordered a nice post salmon and, you know, a side of rice and, you know, steam, all the steamed broccoli. Type. I'm not trying to be healthy. Yeah. There's no oceans in San Antonio. Man, I got sick <laughs> wow. So eat locally. I should have had something, a nice Mexican meal would have been smart. Mm-hmm. No, really, game days, I was so jacked up. <laughs> really? Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, no, yeah, I just. Just so, wasn't, yeah. Uh, they definitely suffered. That was local because it, it was, you know, healthier and cleaner. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I got a sissy stomach to begin with, so nothing too fancy as far as flamboyant or extravagant on, on the uh, on the, on the flavor side. And probably a nice solid, you know, Depends where I was. Whatever was local, I was going to eat local and clean. And mm-hmm. Got you. Simple. It's simple. Uh, <laughs> and simple. Mm-hmm. Not to like way after the late, late night after a game, I could really calm, I could calm down. It's, I just, mm-hmm. look how I talk, man. I get excited talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> game days, man. What are game we doing? Was, man? Let's go. You said, oh, you're already, yeah, all ready for it. <laughs> yeah, I would have been a nutty player. Probably would have put me Man. in the cage. Yeah, probably. Yeah, most likely. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so was there any like pregame meals that you gave like the players, or not you specifically, but you know that they would eat before the game, or like this is what yeah, you have to eat before. No, or... call them Zig. Winning vittles, winning vittles, man. Winning vittles. <laughs> this is important because now, now you're talking about a culture of guys from all over the world now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I learned from Jackson, Mississippi to South Central LA. That's different cuisines. Yeah, it is. Texas, to back of Jersey, to a dude from Brooklyn. Right? Everyone's got a different palates. Mm-hmm. So if you got to respect it, you got to make sure you've got to be, again, like, kind of like the lifting we talked about earlier. Yeah. There's foundational pieces you want to have. But man, if, if fried catfish and mac and cheese get you cracking before a game, then <laughs> and you, so, you, so be it. Then you go play, ahead. Let's go. <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> so so you just... my career, I would have been more uptight about it, right? Yeah. Gone older, man. You can't do that every day because it's gonna catch up with you. But mm-hmm. it gets you in your comfort zone and your rhythm and your mood. Let's and go. Now, do we have? I, I, and I made supplement drinks, you know, mm-hmm. uh, meal replacement shakes pregame for a lot of guys. Derek Fisher was, you know, intricate. D Fish knew exactly what he wanted from organic peanut wow. butter to certain oils, and so I knew it. Even Jackson had his how he wanted. Steph mm-hmm. liked it his way. Maddie Barnes his way. Mm-hmm. Andres, Monte, so like a certain my, way. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, from how thicknesses to coldness to flavors. Wow. So again, it goes back to this egg. What's the bottom line is winning. Yeah. At what's the end of the day. Need to get you right. Mm-hmm. That's good. So my last question before we wrap this up. So 2007, 2000, 2006, 2007 season, um, Warriors played against the, the Mavericks. And you know, yeah. you know the, the host of Huh? Would you would you say I'm sorry? That's a loaded question. So go ahead. <laughs> well, do we believe on me now? The we be- 
yeah so during that the whole series you know they upsetted them and stuff like that you know you have baron oh, davis I, on the we, team we map, oh, every, yeah. yeah you know you guys and that was a phenomenal series what was it like um like in the locker room after you guys had upset at the number one seed it's surreal mm-hmm. i'm from here this is my hometown right? so this is uh walking out onto the floor we get home we, we split in dallas and we're walking out on the floor pregame and you walk into the arena everything was it this is the first time they had some young fella in the neighborhood and someone open we had these blue leaf shirts and, wow. and now it's all you saw was yellow mm-hmm. and you heard this rumble and we're from being from the area and oakland san francisco area earthquakes happen all the time you kind of yeah you know but it felt like that like is there a quake going on but it was going wow, too it was- long the energy in, in there was, was palpable. It was, it was amazing. I, was, I can't, it was a sea of yellow and it was just a thunderous roar constantly. You couldn't wow. hear. Yeah. So, but it's, by the time we did it, and you know, we, it was, it was at, at, at once the clock winds down, I, I forget how it all happened. I just sat back and wanted, I kind of, it's kind of like, you saw, I, sat, I sat back, I wanted to enjoy and just enjoy it. At that time, I was kind of security for the team. We didn't have security if we did. Molly asked me to kind of, help keep an eye on guys. So I want to make sure guys are healthy. But when you played at home in Oakland, it was family, man. I mean, you couldn't be in a safer place. That's what we played. It was surreal. From the, from the color of yellow everywhere, the happiness, the, the smiles on people's faces, the, the sound of it. It was, one, like, it was like one sound. Does that make any sense? Wow. It was, it was just thunderous sound. Just thunderous passion. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome. You know, being from, being from here, it was awesome. So when when the, that clock wound down, I just sat back and kind of smiled. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. At that point, it's traumatic. Mm-hmm. Wow. You had to come out, you know. Um, when we when we our first game, we take it from Dallas. That first game one, mm-hmm. and then Nelly uh, Nelly had recruited Dwight. You know, um, I'm sorry, Dwight. Um, I can picture my man Dirk. You know, Dirk Nowitzki mm-hmm. was phenomenal. Footwork is crazy. Yeah. Phenomenal, yeah. and their team was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But he, he, you know, our guys were hard-nosed cats, and they weren't, mm-hmm. they were not, they weren't pretending. <laughs> yeah. And they took it to him. We, we saw it. We go, you know what? What Nelly's telling how guys would do that, you know, to defend him this way and how we approached it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we can do this. <laughs> wow. Yeah, have the mentality. And that mentality. was probably when we had, you know what, man? We're going to get this. Mm-hmm. So. It, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, that's all the questions I have for you. Um, thank you so much for taking your time out and my responding. Pleasure, pleasure. And yeah, take your time out of your day. I know you have, you know, a busy schedule. You know, I know you have your own business and stuff like that. So thank you again yeah. uh, for taking time out for this hour, hour and a half, um, talking basketball, talking strength training, and talking NBA. So yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey, Zeke, thanks for having me on, man. Wish you the very best in your career. Yeah. Anyway, I can help you down the road. You let me know, and uh, thank you. And I wish you the best, and it was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much. And like I said, I'll finish the recording. And then once it cool. finishes, I'll go ahead and send it to your email and stuff like that. And then um, okay. and then I'll email you again when I, because I'm going to edit the video and stuff like that and then post it and everything. Um, and then once I post it, I'll, I'll send you the link to it and stuff like that so you can check it you out. You can send me it because we want to, uh, uh, we want to, you know, piggyback and get you, you know, either for us and either for help you as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that a lot. You know, no problem. Now, what is it? What are you doing? What, so, what this? so this is something that I just always wanted to do. Um, I kind of got into it more since, you know, quarantine hit and I was, you know, 
in my house the whole time. So um, I love basketball and I love like talking basketball game and like, you know, analogies and drills and stuff like that. It's like really interesting to me. Um, so I just, and I liked uh, kinesiology cause I'm trying to be a PTA. Um, so I go to graduate. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm going to graduate school. I'm going to uh, California Baptist University next year to get my degree and stuff like that. Um, but I work with the Clippers. So like in all, I'm trying to, you know, be a PTA for an NBA team. So I'm trying to put like those two together and work with like athletes and stuff like that. Um, so I just figure, you know, let me just make a podcast of talking to PTA or physical therapists, um, PTAs, athletic trainers, um, SNCs, you know, for the NBA teams and stuff like that, just to get like their insight of not only the game, but like, you know, what players need to work on and what are the steps, you know, to get their body ready for the season. So that's basically what the what this podcast is about how's it going uh, it's going good you know what's funny um you are my very first interview interviewee oh good okay. yeah Happy so good. yeah it started off strong because i have others um lined up but you're like my, my first first one that i scheduled so you yeah great thank, job yeah thank you i appreciate it um on, man. my pleasure man. Who, yeah. uh, who else have you lined up um, i'm lining up the denver nuggets strength and training coach felipe um his last name, I forgot how to even say it. It's, yeah. Um, him, and then I was going to do Phil Hattie for the Lakers, but I know he's, you know, in the bubble and stuff like that. So I'm trying to work my way through, like, California states and then kind of work yeah. my way, like, you know, across and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's what I'm doing. Good for you, man. Now, with the, now with the Clippers, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. What's your role? Um, I do, like, marketing, and uh, I run, like, a, a youth – because we have, like, a youth division – so we have like summer camps and stuff like that. So yeah. we'll go to like a city like Calabasas or, you know, a city in yeah. California. And then we'll go to like a, a local gym and then, you know, kids will come and we'll just teach them simple basketball drills. And then, you know, we'll have alumni players come and like talk to the kids and stuff like that. So, and then I make like the flyers for the summer camps and what have you. And then we do like outreach during the games and stuff yeah. like that. When, yeah. Before COVID hit, we were set up a table and stuff like that, a staple center. So, um, yeah, that's basically what I do. How are you enjoying it? Uh, it's actually really fun. Um, yeah. I wasn't expecting to to get hired, to be honest. Um, I kind of just saw the ad and just said, you know what, why not? Let me just apply. And then next thing I knew, I got the interview. So, um, yeah, I enjoy it really much. I, I enjoy, enjoy it a lot. You meet phenomenal people, amazing people um, in the organization. And it's just amazing. Good for you, man. Good. Yeah. Uh, have you met the strength staff there? You know, you have, is Daniel Shapiro still there? Have you met Daniel? Uh, yeah, Daniel is still there. Um, I've been trying so hard to like try to shadow or even like the AT there. Um, so I talked to my boss, but like it's two totally different. Um, so it's kind of hard for them to like talk to people, you know, close, close to the team. But yeah, Daniel Shapiro still works there. Um, still the strength and conditioning coach. He does a fantastic job with the players. So still trying to get my feet in the water. And immensely shadow and watch them. Jason, yeah, ATC head head trainer. Jason, yeah. right? Yeah, Jason still. He's been there for a long time, so yeah. he's still he's still the AT there. Um, but trying to get try to get in there, trying to shadow, see the players and stuff like you that. You can't email him or something. Um, I tried. Um, I think I did Daniel Shapiro. Um, but that was like a while ago, so I might have to follow up with them. But did he did he respond to you? No, he didn't respond. No. So, but I'm I'm a I'm a son of a man. You said what? I know Daniel. 
I mean, it was just a little kid coming up in this industry, man. Come on, D. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good I, dude. Really, really great dude. Yeah. Uh, I could. Uh, I saw one of his videos and um, him explaining like a drill and stuff like that. He seems like really knowledgeable, really a uh, um, down to earth guy. So. Yeah. But, well, I mean, I wish you the very best of luck. If I can help you all down the road, you let me know. Yeah, definitely. I'll definitely be reaching out again. Thank you again. Yeah, I'll thank you, you so much. Give me a favor. Send me your contact information. Besides your email, your contact information. I'll have my guys get a hold of you, and we'll, we'll get this thing published in any way we can help you down the road. Okay. Uh, cool. Hell, you know what? We're doing some cool stuff up here. I just started my own foundation. Yeah, no, that's that. really dope. So mm -hmm. helping, helping youngsters and still doing stuff in the NBA, but you know, that's something we really want to focus on. Mm -hmm. um, so. I'll tell you more about it and let you get the word out. And then in any way we can help you, I'll do that. Happy to do that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'll be reaching out. Yeah, that's really dope. So what do you still do for the, the NBA? We do all the draft stuff. It's like, oh, okay. Project, you know, uh, so I, you know, I mentioned Brett Brungard a couple of times mm -hmm. um, with BAM. We, we, uh, they bring us in for Portsmouth. You know, that's the bit for the seniors, mm -hmm. uh, Chicago. And then we do the work with the BAM and the NBA and uh, with the NCAA last year we started. I couldn't do it this year. Yeah. To bring the top players from all over the world, mm -hmm. uh, with high school juniors and testing them regionally in four different locations. We're all over the, the Western world, I should say, United States and Canada. Um, and we test them in kind of it's a week-long kind of training camp. And we're part of the testing group and we uh, give talks on preparation and what, what have you, the importance of it. Cool. Uh, so that's with the NBA. That's then we do a lot of stuff with, with younger athletes on here, mm -hmm. in San Francisco and there. Yeah, that's really that's really interest, interesting. Having like your own business and you know athletic side and stuff like that. It's really that's really yeah, cool. man. I, I didn't I didn't want to say too much on this. I didn't want to make some answers. You know, it's it's a different vibe and culture, and, and uh, yeah, it, it's changed a lot now. Mm -hmm. um, and you always got to worry about someone. You know, you always got to watch your back. For the most part. And it's, you know, was it wasn't me. I, I, I did my time. I loved it. Part of me wanted to jump back in, but also family reasons. Was it wasn't going to be healthy for me to do or smart to do. And then now I run, I do my own business, which is like everything is just created. My friend made this. That's what logo. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of, it's very liberating, but it's also, it's, you're on your own. So, yeah. It's a, it's a new challenge for me that every day is a challenge. So it's, um, you know, it's rewarding, but it's, but you gotta you gotta be on it, man. It's gotta, gotta be on it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Always, yeah, always. Always gotta be on it. Well, I applaud you for keeping up and you know your long, yeah, your long extensive history. Um, yeah, your yeah the karate thing that you did that you've done for forty years. Uh, you're like a um, I think you got a degree in psychology. I think I read. Undergrad was in psychology, and, I, and, and when I was a cow, you couldn't minor. You didn't have minors in, but I minored in sports mm -hmm. medicine. I was gonna go to law school. Oh really? I did, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean. The night, the night before I started, I took the LSAT, I did okay. I was just going to go to a local law school. I just wanted to pass mm -hmm. the bar and get in. I wanted to be a trial attorney. I wanted to get out and do it. Dang. Uh, wow. The night before, my wife, now my wife looked at me and goes, you know, what are you doing? I know you like this. This is not your first love. First love is just psychology and martial arts and sports and what have you. And I was training a football player at the time named Pat McGurk, who was trying to break into the NFL. Mm -hmm. Pat, great dude. And he told me about this, this school. My graduate school was John F. Kennedy University. Fortunately, it was lucky. It was local. Yeah. It was an applied program. Yeah, you have oh, to wow. work with people. You I want to be a lab. I want to work with people. Mm -hmm. And so I was intrigued by it. Went to an open house, and that was that. So wow. I'll tell you a funny story. But you get me going. Go ahead. So I, I tried <laughs> different graduate schools to get my doctorate because I want to have yeah. my practice. 
And then knowing that, you know, this industry is flighty up and down business-wise. And I wanted to make sure I could have a family and have an, have an income. And I love helping people. So I'm going to have my own, you know, get my doctorate and get licensed clinician, have that practice, and then do this stuff. Well, both in both my uh, in the final interviews, academically, I'd done well. I worked hard. I got my yeah. grades with it. No problem. Both my final interviews to get into the programs, right? These are accredited schools. Right? They asked me for a book, like my book that had a major impact on me. And I quoted the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, Bruce Lee. I trained wow. with this guy. I, was, <laughs> I mean, I'm talking, I was really lucky to be around that. I mean, I got this thing around my neck because I got it from Bruce's Linda Lee. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. See that? No way. Yeah, yeah. The yin and yang. Oh, this, what does it say yeah. on the back? Walk on. Wow. wow. That's crazy. So, I mean, so I, as a reminder that, you know, I, I was able to kind of get there. So, mm-hmm. and it had a major impact. And I talked about, I made, quoted that book about the, the impact of bringing the mind and the body working together and how I want to bring that into my work and help people get better. Wow. Uh, they, they basically flunked me. Oh, really? <laughs> well, that's not, what are you talking about? Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Not much has changed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, now it would have worked. It would have been because now it's in vogue now. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness. Back then, they thought I was, you know, you're crazy. Look at you, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One day I'll get the doctorate. I'm t- I got a program I picked out. He's got a plan. I can do it. Running the business, it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. But just to kind of say, just for me, say, you know, it was one of my goals. I want to get it. So yeah, you went out and went yeah. went yeah. to do it. Yeah, you stuck to your roots too. Yeah, that's great. That's amazing. No, no, are you based? Are you from LA? Uh, no, I'm from the IE, um, so like Rancho area, so like 40 minutes away from LA. Gotcha, okay. You're, yeah. You're so, mm-hmm. Being from San Francisco, anything south of San Jose, you're in LA. <laughs> you're in LA. <laughs> They're close enough, you know, it's close enough. Yeah, man. Yeah, because um, I, I have family, actually. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, man. Um, I have family up in San Francisco. They live in Daly City, though. They live like right across yeah. uh, the bridge. Okay. I forgot the name of the bridge. Yeah. yeah um but yeah they go to like warrior games my cousins love the warriors and stuff like that so mm-hmm. really well, we come this way yeah. man when we get through this crazy covidness oh we'll yeah in person yeah no definitely if i'm ever in the area yeah i'll definitely email you um say something so i can you know at least check out the business see you in person um, oh sh- man. shop it up yeah and so if i get down to la we're going to la once or twice a year oh yeah, really i'm gonna be Usually I come out and see, watch, I like to watch, bring young coaches down and go down and visit Phil and Rico and watch them do their thing at UCLA and check in. And mm-hmm. bring, you know, my, bring, you just come out, I'll do Thomas, we get out on what talk shop, watch them do, catch up, see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fun way to get away for a couple of days, see my old friends, um, just kind of stay in the vibe and, you know, I like to get in the gym and watch and learn. Keep yeah. Learning. Keep learning. Yeah. Never stop learning. That's what my mom, that's what mom always says. She always tells me, right. never stop learning. Yeah. So. Got to take that into account. Yeah. Remember, Bruce Lee said, you're not a master until you die. So, wow. you're a master, perfect. Mm-hmm. Now, you're, you're, fooling, you're fooling yourself. So, go right on to your mom's. She's on the money. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. You got um, it, man. Yeah. Good thanks thing. again for coming. I right, um, really you appreciate guys, it. You, man. Yeah. You. Keep rocking. Now, get that information to me. We'll get it out there. Thank yeah, you, definitely. I guess you. Yeah. Have a, right, enjoy the rest of your day. Be on the road. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Got it.